They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. Today, our guest is Jay Fairbrother. Jay Fairbrother is a serial entrepreneur, coach, and consultant with 30 years of experience in starting, scaling, buying, and selling businesses. He is a licensed sales coach and sales trainer as well as a peer group facilitator. Jay is also the executive VP of chapters for the Global Leaders Organization, and his job is to recruit chairs and start chapters all over the world. So Jay, I'm very excited to have you on the show and learn a bit more about you. Um, So welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here. Now, uh, so first, our traditional first question, Jay, what makes you awesome? I think um, one of the things that makes me awesome is my uh, the the massive failures that I've had in business over the last thirty years. Um, mm. Let's. I think I'm on my ninth business. So okay. if if you know if you know a guy who's a good ADD coach, please send him my way. <laughs> I do know a couple actually. Um, yeah. So um, I, I think that, you know, and, and this is something that I talk about if, if somebody is, you know, considering me to help them with their business is, you know, part, part of what makes a good fit is um, understanding that somebody has failed. Um, you know, I, I would never want to hire a coach for myself who's had nothing but success because mm. you learn so much more from all those failures. Yep. Um, and and I, I've, you know, failed in just about every possible way I think a business can fail. So there you go. Yeah. I, I love that. Cause it's, you know, it's great to learn from your mistakes. It's much cheaper to learn from other people's mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you get started on this path? Wow. Um, so that's a long time ago. So you're testing my, uh, re- my recall here. <laughs> uh, my short term, my long term memory. Did, I guess. did you be in the, in the dinosaur hunting industry? Yeah, <laughs> actually, very close because I uh, left a cushy job at the dinosaur museum oh, okay. uh, here in Pittsburgh, <laughs> where I was in charge of membership, um, to start my own firm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was it was a tough call. I mean, I had a, a one year old, a, a house, my first house I just bought. Um, and, uh, I completely, you know, financed my first business on credit cards and, and mm. launched and started. Okay. And what was that first business? Uh, so it was, um, it was a fundraising business. And so we worked with, uh, nonprofit organizations. Um, I started working with museums and public television stations and arts organizations and, and then branched out from there to some of the largest national nonprofits, um, in the country. And, um, so my current business, which is called the Profit Architects, you know, part of that story and the reason I'm focused on profits is because in my first business, um, when I started, like many entrepreneurs, you know, everything's focused on growth, 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 right? Mm -hmm. More clients, more leads, more revenue. And, you know, in my case, 
you know, I grew, I was growing, I hit 50 employees and thought, you know, I was pretty proud of myself. And then I hit 5 million in sales and kind of thought I was a big shot and I was still making no money to speak of. Like I was barely making six figures, um, hadn't had a vacation in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I, as you know, I, I find in hanging out with entrepreneurs over 30 years is very common, right? Mm-hmm. That we're, we're also focused on growth and nobody, you know, really takes the effort to focus on the bottom line and the profits and, and how to create more profit in your business. Um, so that's, uh, so you yeah. built yourself a job. Yes. And, and yes. And so one of the questions I ask when I start working with people, you know, Simon Sinek has taught us that we all need to understand our why, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what I talk to people about is what's your profit? Why? Because for some people, profit is actually almost a dirty word. Like some of us have money blocks and we mm-hmm. think, you know, Jesus, if I'm too profitable, it means I'm being greedy or I'm taking advantage of people. Um, and, and I can't help you if you have those issues, right? <laughs> like that, you need a therapist or something for that. But, um, but it's important to understand what your profit why is, right? Like, what are you going to do or what would you do if you, you know, we gave you $25,000 in additional profit in your business right now, what would you do with it? And there's no right answer, right? It could be, I'm going to put it in my pocket. I'm going to take that vacation I haven't had for years. I'm going to, you know, put it back in the business so I can serve and help more people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to donate it all to make the world a better place. Any of those are great answers, but it's important that you understand, you know, why and what you would do with, with additional profit um, to start out with. That, that sounds that sounds like a very important thing. Yeah, exactly. I see you and you're like, oh, wow, our top line revenue is $5 million. We're totally doing awesome. And nothing gets to the bottom because you hire an employee for $50,000 that generates $50,000. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have a hamster uh, analogy that, that I'll share. If you, if you, th- you know, you, you think of your business as, as your new pet hamster. Mm-hmm. And when you first get the hamster, you have no idea what it eats. So you'll feed it anything, mm-hmm. right? And you know most hamsters will eat just about anything. And then you start to learn what the hamster likes. So let's say your hamster likes beer. Well, now you put it on a, a beer only diet and the hamster gets fat and it grows and soon you need to buy a bigger hamster wheel. And then mm-hmm. it, it outgrows that and you gotta buy a bigger cage. And you keep feeding it beer Maybe you've evolved to the point now it's drinking craft beer <laughs> and, you know, particularly likes IPAs, but nevertheless, the thing is growing and soon you have to, you can't buy a cage big enough and you have to let the hamster loose. And now it's running around cropping all over the place. And as a business owner, you spend 80% of your time cleaning up hamster shit. Mm. And that to me is a very, a, you know, appropriate analogy for where a lot of business owners find themselves, you know, one to five years into their business mm-hmm. is that they're just running around cleaning up messes, putting out yeah. fires and, you know, all that growth leads to more headaches, more problems, you know, more shit to clean up. Yeah. Yeah. Complexity without, without systemization. That yeah. seems like a big thing. And I imagine it also makes a business precarious too, uh, that, that the bigger you are, the more employees you have, the more overhead you have. If you have some hiccup, you lose a client, you, you, an office burns down, you lose an important document, whatever, then, then you've got a massive, you know, it, 
if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year with a job, something happens. Well, he's got another job. If you're making five million dollars a year with a four hundred ninety million or four point nine million dollar expense line, and something goes wrong, you can be a million bucks in the hole. Right. And and those issues arise. I mean, in my case. Um, I, I can't remember exactly where I was at, but I, I think I was maybe at a couple million in revenue. And my largest client was still, who was my original client, was still like 30% of the business. Mm-hmm. And I lost them. Ooh. Yeah. And, you know, talk about scrambling and, and knowing what to do because you have huge overhead. Um, but we, you know, we, we got through that. And then a, another, you know, similar kind of situation was when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in the fundraising business and every client said, shut it down. We want no fundraising happening for the, at least the next month. And, you know, you've got all this overhead and, and that kind of thing. So um, you pull together, you find ways. Um, we actually did a lot of volunteer work at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we turned our attention to helping survivors and, and raising money for the um, uh, reparations and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, now, so it, it from from your bio, it looks like uh, the 2008-2010 crash did not treat you well. No, um, <laughs> I'm I really clearly I, I might be a decent entrepreneur, but I'm a crappy investor. Uh-huh. So yeah, I lost everything uh, in that time period. Um, I, I did have a couple of businesses going at that time I um, and, and lots of investments that I thought, of course, were well diversified. Uh, but as you know, that was a special time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, I lost everything. Um, I went from living in a mansion to living in my friend's basement for five months, wow. um, just trying to, to kind of get through it. And in my case, um, I, you know, when you have something catastrophic like that happen, at least, you know, hopefully you go into survival mode, which is what, what happened to me. So, you know, I clawed and scraped and, you know, pieced together everything I could just to, you know, keep myself in the game. So I did online marketing. I created a book, a course. I wrote a book mm-hmm. um, just, you know, to kind of get, you know, so that I could get out of the basement. Right. Um, but mentally, you know, it was actually easier right after the, that I lost everything because you go into that survival mode. So mentally, that time period was easier those next few years. But then it really kind of hit me. And, and so I ended up spending about eight years in what I call the seller of shame. Mm. And, you know, I completely withdrew from a lot of the entrepreneurial circles that I had built for literally 30 years. Um, and, and, you know, stop, you know, being in touch with all of my entrepreneur contacts and friends and, and kind of just, you know, I hid behind the computer and, and did online stuff. And, um, it, it really took me quite a long time to kind of bounce out of that. And it's interesting because it, it wasn't even a business situation that, that made me really hit bottom. It was a personal situation. Um, and I ended up, you know, and this was not that long ago, a few few years ago where I was really in a dark place and I was like, you know, I need something to latch on to, to, to keep going. Right. Um, my kids were grown and very, and thankfully very successful. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I wish I could say some, you know, I had some star in the sky appear with the magic answer, but what I, you know, came up with is, you know, I've got to hang out with and help entrepreneurs. Like mm. that, if there's a reason that I was put here, that really is it. 
and that's what fulfills me. It's what, you know, challenges me, it, it, what keeps me going. So I sort of, you know, set out to <clears throat> create a course to do that. And basically, um, uh, I've, I've sort of fulfilled that mission with my uh, coaching business, the Profit Architects, uh, with the Global Leaders Organization, which you mentioned, um, and uh, the, the peer groups that I run. Okay. Uh, now, so, so when you were in the, the, the survival mode, um, I, I imagine part of the part of the benefit to it is, is you get clarity. You, you don't have employees to worry about. You don't have properties to worry about. Like when you lose everything, you don't have anything to worry about because it's already it's gone. Um, but kind of what, what was your your mindset? Were you just focused on the day to day of like let me get this done? Were you focused on building a project and that's how you kept your kept your head out of where you were where you were stuck? Where was your what was your mindset as you were building out of that? Yeah, it's uh, it's cliche, but mm-hmm. it's really one day at a time. <clears throat> you know, you, you wake up and it's like, okay, uh, here, here's what I got to do today just to keep moving forward and, mm-hmm. and keep some momentum going and that kind of stuff. And it, it was a struggle. You know, part of the reason, and, and uh, you know, I applaud people who can bounce back faster and better than I was able to. Clearly, when I say it took, you know, I was eight years in that seller of shame, uh, that, you know, <laughs> that's, I'm not proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um and, and certainly there are people who can bounce back quicker and let things go faster. Um, I had a really hard time with it. Um, you know, I felt a sense of shame and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of sort of guilt and, you know, it's all my fault kind of thing. Uh, you know, I didn't blame the economy, which, you know, wiped out a lot of people. Right. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really make me feel better because it was like, well, I, I'm not a lot of people. Uh, you know, I'm me. I'm, I'm supposed to be awesome. Right. You mm-hmm. told me I was awesome at the beginning of the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really, um, you know, you, you just claw and fight and, and figure out, you know, what can I do today to, to move forward to the next day? Hmm. Okay. Now, so, so that, that was all into the seller shame was internal. It wasn't like you went to talk to other business people and they said, Jay, what are you doing here? Loser? Get back into your cellar. Yeah. Well, when I was in my friend's basement, it was kind of like that, but oh, well, yeah, yeah, literally yeah. you were in, but the no, other than that, it was a figurative seller. Mm-hmm. But, but so was it, was other where you were like, you were, you didn't want to show your face um, or were you actually getting feedback from other people in business who were like, they were afraid you were contagious? <laughs> no, I, I never got that feedback. Um, but what's interesting is that I never sought any feedback to the contrary. And, oh, okay. and, I, and I just, you're making me realize that right now. I never really thought about it, but um you know, in the last few years, since I've kind of resurfaced and, and risen from the ashes, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm getting comments like that of, you know, oh, my God, you know, I remember, you know, you were in this incredible entrepreneur with all the success and, um, uh, you know, and then we didn't hear from you for a long time, you know, and, and glad to have you back. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's I, one, one of my, so I am blessed to have never been a millionaire um, and thus didn't lose it and try to come back. But what I found is a lot of the entrepreneurs I've met with, you know, they're very supportive and they're, you know, how can we help and how can we help bring you up? Um, and, and I, I, it sounds like, you know, probably your community, I'm sure it would have been the same if they'd known what was happening, that they would have been like, oh yeah, Jay, how do we get you back on your feet and going? But it must've been tough to, to, to feel like, you know, you had to go out and ask for that kind of help. Yeah, we don't like to ask for help. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's an entrepreneurial trait for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so 
um, I, I, you know, the part of the story I, I left out um, because I, I was a millionaire mm -hmm. um, is this company that I grew. You know, I finally did figure it out and I did start to make some real profit. And I sold that company for millions of dollars a few years after I had hit a couple hundred employees. And, um, you know, and that's part of, you know, what I lost during, during the uh, financial crisis. Um, but yeah, it, when you when you've never had a lot to lose, you don't appreciate how hard it is to lose. Mm -hmm. Yep, that I could that I could definitely see. Um, so, you know, so what would your advice be if, if you could talk to yourself uh, in the cellar um, or someone else in a similar position who's who's feeling stuck? Maybe they're sitting here listening to podcasts because they're not going out talking to people. What would your advice be to someone who's in that place now? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that, you know, I, I would say, you know, seek help, first of all. Um, and, you know, don't withdraw from other entrepreneurs. That, that would be my primary advice. Because if I look back on my experience as 30 years as an entrepreneur, um, the best advice, the best learning, um, the best uh, you know, fulfillment I've had is literally hanging out with other entrepreneurs. Now, mm -hmm. in my case, I did that in peer, uh, peer groups, mm -hmm. you know, the, basically masterminds. Um, there was, there's, I was in many of them uh, because I used to be involved in another entrepreneurial organization and we had peer groups as part of that. Um, I ran that organization, that chapter here in Pittsburgh. And so I ended up in like five or six different peer groups over a 15 year period. But one peer group in particular, I met with these guys for 17 years straight every month. Wow. And they're, and they're actually still meeting some 20 years later. I dropped out a few years ago because uh, I, because the direction I went caused a competitive conflict with one of the members and I volunteered to be the one to, to step out of it. But mm -hmm. that, that entrepreneurs are incredible at supporting each other. And that's, you know, what, what I would say, and I, I know you, you know, run a, a mastermind, um, that, that kind of interaction with other entrepreneurs is, is critical. And, you know, is the thing that, that kept me, you know, going forward too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I totally with you on that. I mean, that's the whole idea of the season three of the podcast is, is I wanted to connect with people who are more successful than me and have them tell me how they did it so I can learn from them. Um, and I've had, you know, an outpouring of, of successful entrepreneurs being like, yeah, pick me, pick me. I want to spend my time telling you and other people for free how I did it and give you advice because that's, that's in the, in the DNA of entrepreneurs, you know, they want to give back and they want to share and, and support. Uh, and speaking of, of communities, I know you're part of the global leaders organization. Tell me a little bit about uh, that group. Yeah. So we call it GLO, G-L-O. Um, and if you want to check it out, the website is with glow.com. And basically, it is modeled after um, a couple of uh, entrepreneur organizations that have been around for quite a bit longer, the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, and Young Presidents Organization, YPO. So we have modeled GLOW after those two organizations, and we offer everything that they do in those organizations. So um, we have chapters um, that were, you know, GLOW is less than two years old. And thank you, COVID, um, you know, it's been a, a struggle so far. Hopefully that's uh, wrapping up now. Um, but um, we're launching chapters all over the world. Um, and chapters hold monthly meetings where you, you know, it's both education. It's not just networking. It's not like a BNI type group. 
Um, it's business education. So we bring in a top-notch speaker every month. And then, you know, you, you in those monthly meetings, get to meet on other entrepreneurs in your local community. And then within uh, GLOW, you also form the same peer groups. Uh, we call them forums. Uh, so you meet with a group of eight to 10 other entrepreneurs every month to help work work on and solve each other's business problems. It's like having a board of advisors. Hmm. So those are the basic concepts that we follow with these other organizations. But with GLOW, um, we also have a complete digital dashboard um, and we have a member marketplace where people can transact, you know, members can transact with each other. We have a deal network for people looking for strategic partners, um, uh, acquisitions, that kind of thing. And then um, most importantly, we have a capital platform built into Glow. So we have over 100 and, uh, 130 or 150 funders that are looking to work with entrepreneurs on either a debt or equity basis. Um, as investors. And part of what we do, if you're a member of GLOW, is that we'll help you get fund ready. So we'll mm -hmm. you know, make sure you've got your subscription agreement in place and your PPM and all those things that you need to, to go out and raise money. Um, so uh, yeah, so we're looking to start chapters of GLOW uh, all over the world. And if anybody's interested in exploring that, I'm the guy to talk to. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like Definitely a more robust um, than your typical typical network organization. Um, more kind of into the high end mastermind sort of space. Yeah, yeah. So it's it definitely goes well beyond networking. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, I I can give you examples of of my experience. I was in the entrepreneurs organization for a long time, um, and Glow is similar. That if you have an issue and, and you need help. If you reach out to that member network, it's amazing what can happen uh, in terms of people just raising their hands and, and saying, I have a contact for you. Let me you know, put you in touch with so-and-so uh, and, and just offer to help for free. I mean, it's just amazing how generous entrepreneurs can be. Yeah, no, that sounds like a, an incredible thing. And you said Glow is, is less than two years old at this point? Yep. Uh, we, I think we're in, uh, we have 12 chapters right now just in North America. Um, we we kind of during the peak of COVID, we kind of just halted trying to launch new chapters. But now we're back at it and you know open to launching chapters anywhere in the world. Okay. Um, now, did they meet in person or is it? Hopefully. Okay. Yeah, they're still. Yeah, it's you know in that sense, it's locale by locale. Okay. Um, you know, depending on what's going on in your local area. Um, in, you know, in Pittsburgh, where I am, we're doing our first in-person events in October, November. Um, Glow is doing its first uh, national slash international event in Dallas in March, um, and and bringing in you know top top speakers for for a couple of day conference. Nice. Okay, that sounds like exciting organization that's that's going some you know certainly going somewhere doing something it says with glow.com and that's with no w correct uh with G. yeah and you can actually join as a free member just to kind of check out the platform oh interesting okay um, and then you have to upgrade to be a paid member to join local chapter events um and if you're in an area where we don't have a chapter yet uh first of all you can raise your hand to be a chapter chair Mm -hmm. um, but secondly, uh, we do run a virtual chapter, so we'll run virtual events uh, for those people. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the great things in technology now is that you know, things can be less geographically specific where possible. Um, so I want, I want to talk a little more about your, you know, your coaching work, you know, focusing on 
on the profits, what are, what are some of the key areas you go to, um, to help business not become just a really high stress job and actually become a valuable, profitable business? Yeah. So, um, I have a, a list of about 35, 40 different areas that we can look at in, mm-hmm. in terms of a business and, and where you can tweak things to get more profit. So my approach is, um, you know, rather than come in and try to install a totally new system within your business, and there are good options for that out there. There's scaling up, there's EOS, um, and those are great organizations and, and great, you know, uh, programs. Um, but what, you know, a lot of people are in a situation where they don't want a complete disruption to their business. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't want something that's going to, you know, kind of set them back six months before they you know, really start to take advantage of, the, of those sort of systematic changes. So what I do is come in and, and say, you know, let's start with, you know, the first six, eight, 10 areas that might have an immediate and, and no cost or very low cost impact on your profit. Some some of those first areas that we typically look at are marketing areas, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you have um, upsells and, and downsells? Do you have JV partnerships and, and um, are you leveraging, you know, uh, your relationships with other similar businesses? Um, do you have, you know, a drip campaign? Do you have? So those are some very basic things. But a lot of times it is very foundational stuff, which can have an immediate impact on profit. Um, you know, we look at pricing, we, we, we'll look at cost cutting um, and, and ways you can do that. So basically what I do is come in and try to identify and prioritize the top, you know, six or eight areas. Say, let's start there. Let's put them in order from most impact, least cost to, you know, least impact, most cost. Um, decide, you know, lay out a timeline and then work with the entrepreneur to start implementing those things over time. Mm. And so what are some of those common things you see that, uh, you know, someone who's listening, if they, if they have a business should, should check and make sure it's not a mistake they're making. Yeah. Um, boy, the, you know, that's the thing about, so, so that's one of my pet peeves about sort of courses and, um, uh, programs is they, they try to, you know, fit a, a, a one size fits all solution to yep. every business. And, and that's the, that's what I love about coaching and consulting is because it, every business is different. It's a unique challenge in every single business. Um, but, but the, the ones that typically, you know, we can start with, um, are even things just like, you know, w- improving their market dominating position, um, and their USPs and making sure every employee, knows the drill and and is a salesperson outside of the organization for the company in the sense of when somebody asks, what do you do? Um, they have a compelling answer, which, you know, in, in uh, uh, encourages somebody to want to find out more, potentially do business with the company. That right there can have a huge impact on a company. But again, yeah. some businesses are already good at that part, right? So, you know, if you're good at it, we're not going to come in and say, oh, you need to be better. You know, it's like, okay, we can leave that for now. Let's focus on some other areas. Um, and, and again, that can be anything from, you know, implementing some kind of a systematic uh, digital marketing, drip campaigns, um, that kind of thing, uh, reactivating old customers, um, you know, look at price increases. You know, a lot of business owners are amazed if you show them some math and say, okay, let's say you increase your price this much. How many customers do you think you'll lose? And you, and you put both of those 
equations um, on a chart and show them. And, and they're usually amazed to say, you know, wow, I, I would make that much more in revenue and profit mm-hmm. by a slight, you know, like a, a 3% price increase. You know, and, and a lot of times a math will work out to say I could lose 25% of my customers at 3% price increase leaves me better off at the end. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because that's all pure profit if it's a price increase. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at your, your list of most popular topics you sent over before we spoke. Um, and the only grabs my attention is how to be mediocre at sales. <laughs> um, so um, I do a lot of sales coaching. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, uh, common mistakes that people make um, are, are first and foremost, just talking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I work, this is kind of aside from what I do with the businesses, I work with a lot of coaches and consultants on, okay. on sales coaching. And I have a program called How to Sell Like You Coach. And the analogy I use is that the last thing you would do is show up at a consulting or coaching session and talk more than the prospect that you're in front of, more than your client, right? You know that intuitively and instinctually, but yet when people get in a sales situation, they feel like they need to, uh, uh, what what I call go into professor mode. Uh So they need to show how smart they are by using big words and flowery language to you know, explain how good, how great they are, how they can help all their USPs and, and that kind of thing. Um, so that that's a big part of it. And it, and it's hilarious um, when I'm coaching sometimes and I'll explain this concept and someone says, no, nah, I, I don't do that. And then uh, they send me a recorded sales call they've done and I put it into an AI software we use for the coaching. And it's like, no, nah, your talk time is 72%. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not not good on a discovery call. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what is the, the better, what, what should they be doing? <laughs> so the best way to look smart is ask good questions. Mm. And, um, and that's what they should be doing primarily, especially on an initial call or discovery call. Um, and um, the other thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people have difficulty translating that they, they don't want to appear salesy and, and they want to be authentic uh, in the selling process. So the other thing I work on a lot is stories and storytelling. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you're pro, if you're in professor mode and you're, you're using all those big words and flowery language, it goes into what I call the Charlie Brown teacher mode where, you know, your prospect here is wah, 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 right? Um, and instead, if you want to engage somebody and have them actively listen, just tell a story. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, one of the challenges I have, I actually have a storytelling challenge, um, which, um, I'm happy to offer to your listeners, uh, if, if they want to contact me to, to get this, but it's an exercise you go through. And basically what you do is you list out all your USPs, right? You, your unique differentiators, what makes mm-hmm. you great, what makes you awesome. And then separately, I encourage you to also list out the pain points that you solve for, right? And, and so you might have, you know, five to six USPs and three to four pain points. Mm-hmm. There's often a lot of overlap in those two, but it, I suggest you do both. Um, and then go through your memory bank and try to relate a story that demonstrates and illustrates how you overcame those pain points for someone else. And a lot of times when I, what the feedback I'll get immediately from that is, well, I've only been, business, been in business a couple of years. I don't have that many stories. Mm-hmm. But whatever expertise you had 
that led you to go into that business, right? You probably might have an additional 10 or 20 years of experience in that mm-hmm. field or, 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 you know, whatever product service you're offering. It's fine to use those stories. It doesn't all have to be from your current iteration of, of whatever business you're in. Um, but, but tell a story instead of using all the, the big words and flowery language. And then the important thing there is to tell the story with enough detail that it's impactful. Um, a lot of people will you know, say, yeah, I, I had a client that had a similar problem as you once, and they were in this industry, and we came in, and wow, wow, <laughs> right? There's not enough I- engagement in the story. So add that level, extra level of details. You know, I had a client in this industry, the owner was a guy in his 40s, um, he said to me, they were having this problem, quote the owner, mm. bring it, you know, to life and then talk about, you know, some of the things you did and to, to help solve the situation. And then at the end, the owner said, you know, I can't believe how, you know, so make it a story. And again, that makes selling so much more comfortable and easy and authentic than you just spouting off, you know, uh, things that, that you can do. I love that. I love that. Yeah. When I, when I first got into coaching, this sales strategy I learned um, was all about questions. And in fact, I could get through the entire sales process up to them giving me their credit card number and they still didn't explicitly know what I did. Yeah. It's all about getting them to talk about themselves and talk about what they want and talk about where they're stuck and what their problems are and, and say, would you like help with that? I'm like, Oh yeah, I want help with that. And, 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 you know, it, I actually got to the point where I was doing it so well um, I was so good at the sales strategy that I was selling people I had no right to be selling because I couldn't actually serve them, um, which which caused an awakening in my business and I kind of had to pull back. But it worked so well because I created the image in their head of their solution, you know, paint the picture. And then, do you want that picture? I want that picture. I need your credit card. Okay. And they'd all cancel after a month because I couldn't actually make the picture real. Um, and so I, I then had to kind of step back, get some more training, develop the skills and capacities. But yeah, that that's... Um, yeah. It's hugely powerful to ask those questions and, and get them to take you on their journey instead of taking trying to drag them, you know, drag them by the toes onto your journey. Absolutely. And I love that you said paint the picture because mm-hmm. that, that's the other piece of advice that, that I have is um, so when we're in a situation where we're being sold to, right? while that's happening, the little voices in the back of our head are, are yapping at us the entire time. What are you doing? Why are you talking to this person? You can't afford this. What are you even thinking? Get off this call. Uh-huh. Right? As soon as you start telling a story, as soon as you activate the visual part of the brain, and I'm not a brain scientist, but that's why you know when you said paint a picture, you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. If you can get somebody envisioning a future that has solved the problem and, and pain and frustration that they're currently experiencing, as you just said, sometimes that's all you need to close the sale. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it shuts up those little voices in the back of our head mm-hmm. um, that are talking about you know all the reasons they, they shouldn't be doing this and they can't afford it. Yep. Um, so visual language is very important. You know, how do you see yourself in six months if we can get through this issue? What do you think your business looks like in a year from now if we've implemented some of these strategies that we've talked about? We've solved some mm-hmm. of these frustrations. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so it's, it's been great, you know, hearing your story about, uh, you know, going going into the basement and coming back out again um, and some of those those sales concepts. Are there any uh, final tips or 
or strategies you would like to leave with our audience? Um, I, I think from a um, from a, a sales and investment standpoint, I, I, the other mistake I see a lot of people make is just not spending enough time talking about ROI. Mm. Um, and, and it's the same concept as, as what I just mentioned is, you know, while you're talking to somebody, they are viewing you as an expense. Mm-hmm. Um, and what your challenge is, is to convert that to them thinking about not even, I don't even like the word investment necessarily, because that also, you know, reminds me of just money coming out of my pocket, mm-hmm. but in, you know, painting that picture of the future. So if you're talking to somebody who has a, you know, selling a product or service, it's very easy to have that financial ROI discussion with them. You know, what's your average sale? How many customers do you have currently? You know, and and walk through and say, if I can help you get from here to here, Mm -hmm. here's the ROI, you know, here, you know, here's what my cost is and, and what your net ROI is after hiring me, you know, and still is hopefully very positive. But that same concept works even if you're not if you're selling something completely intangible. Like if you're trying to fix someone's you know mental blocks around money, um, you know there is no necessarily financial reward that you can put dollars and cents to 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 help them. But as long as you can paint that picture and show them that future ROI uh, mm-hmm. of of having a better life because you help them, that's really you know the key to to selling. That's huge. I love that. Uh, so you, you mentioned that you have a, uh, a challenge that, that people can get from you? Yeah. Um, if you go to my website, theprofitarchitects.com slash story hyphen challenge, so slash story hyphen challenge, uh, you can download that cha- that uh, template there and exercise and walk through it. Nice. That sounds like a you know, really powerful thing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been awesome. Um and uh, so other than the story challenge, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, my email is very easy. It's my name, J-A-Y at fairbrother.com, F-A-I-R brother.com, J at fairbrother.com. Awesome. Uh, and and you know, who are the people that you most want to, to reach out to you? Who do you want to connect with you? Um, any business that is, you know, stagnant in terms of their growth and especially profits, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my ideal situation is one where I can, you know, come in and work with a business owner who, you know, wants to get out of that rut, wants to take that next step and really become profitable and create a business that they can work, you know, and I hate to use this cliche again, but, you know, you've heard work on your business, not in your business. Yep. Um, but it's very true. And I've experienced that myself. There's, there's no way I could have built a company and sold it if I was still working in the business. Just wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I always like to ask that question because I think some people will hear that, you know, we're talking to someone like you, they'll hear the email address and then they'll say, oh, he doesn't want to hear from me because, you know, he's, you know, that, that's Jay Fairbrother. He's on a podcast. He's had all these stories and these incredible things. He doesn't want my email. And so I always like to encourage my my audience members that, uh, you know, if he's sharing his email address, it's because he wants you to email him. So send Jay an email. He wants to talk to you. And he's probably got some good things to share because he shared a lot of good things here. And I bet he's got even more good things in the conversation. So, Jay, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been fantastic. And I hope that many people learn much from you. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate you having me. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. 
If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. That's jv connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.